listening to Tazy Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you right across Australia live from Hobart, Tasmania and also today live from Launceston as well. And uh, if you're listening in Tassie, you can catch us every weekday at 9am but also in Tassie at 4.30pm just for our special Tasmanian listeners. So please uh, remember you can listen to us twice a day if you want to or if you miss us in the morning you can catch us again at 4.30. Now I'm your host Jason Cook and today we've got uh, David Maxwell. He's joining us from Launceston and he'll be continuing his series today, The Coming King. And uh, his topic today is a very present help, but uh, we won't talk about that just yet. We'll get Mm. into that shortly. So welcome David, it's good to have you here. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here. Yeah. David, uh, I love uh, hearing your stories. You have lots of life experience to share. And uh, just wondering if you've got another story for us today. Yeah, I do. Thanks, Jason. So I've been talking about challenges of being a Christian and the things that I've faced along the way in the hope that it may help somebody else. Where I've gotten up to was the the last week we spoke about the, the job that kind of came out of the blue and moving into IT. Four years after being uh, there or starting there, we hit the financial crisis. And after that financial crisis, there were a lot of businesses that were closing. And the company we were working for had amalgamated with a large um, multinational. And that multinational was selling off unprofitable businesses. And in some of the decisions they made with the uh, contract that we were doing with Rio Tinto, they they basically, I guess they cut their nose off despite their face and eventually that contract ended. Now, I was fortunate uh, because I wasn't really sure what would happen. I was fortunate that uh, the client, the Rio Tinto, allowed me to come over and uh, and continue the work that I was doing for them on contract basis mm. to actually head up a brand new team within the company and so basically bring it in-house. And for me, it was, again, another challenge. There were a couple of challenging circumstances to that, and even though the company allowed us to come across, there were some, how could I say, there were some minor uh, disputes between both the contractor and the company I was coming to that needed to be sorted out. And it it looked a little, one of those uh, issues seemed quite... Uh, It was going to be a large issue, I thought, but in the end, uh, I just left my faith in God and believed he was leading us, and God resolved it for me. I I didn't have to lift a finger to do it, Mm. and that started a nine-year stint in that company, almost 10-year stint in that company. And it was incredible because, you know, sometimes, Jason, you don't see what's happening until you look back. And as I look back now, I see how God had led me through all of these jobs, had closed jobs for me, closed the opportunities, closed one door, but he'd always opened another. And I find that that's very, very important in your Christian walk when you're following the way God wants you to go and you're willing to step through doors that don't look ideal but you can see it's a door that God is opening. When you step through those doors later, when you look back, you can see how that was all part of the journey. Yeah. And had you seen that beforehand, you probably would have stepped through the door much easily, much more easily. 
but uh, you know we often see doors close in our face when it comes to work or whatever it is in life whatever experiences we have the important thing is to step through those open doors when they open and to not see it as the end of our life when a door closes but at the end of an opportunity and perhaps the beginning of another one i uh yeah i can certainly vouch for that that um yeah it's uh I think life is a is a is a one big lesson in learning to trust that uh, God sees the future and He has it in His hands, and uh, uh, we don't know what's around the corner, but we just Absolutely. need to take those steps in faith. Now, David, mm. uh, just before we get on, I'd like to share with our listeners our show number today: zero four eight 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 zero. 891 that's our Tassie Encounters number that's a mobile text number that you can text us in you can uh, send questions queries feedback and of course later in the program we will have a book offer that you can text and uh, receive um, a book that uh, we'll tell you more about a a little bit later Um, David uh, before we get into this program do you want to just recap on last week's uh, episode yeah, absolutely. Last week we looked at three very important messages that God gives um, in our day uh, and for our day, which help us to choose which side of the conflict, the final conflict we're going to be on. And today we're going to look at the good news that he shared with us, what makes it good, and how we can access that to get to know him better. We'll start by reading uh, John three fourteen to 21. But as we always do, I think uh, it's important that we first pray before we read that. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come to you this morning and that we can open your word. Please give us understanding as we read. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, Jason, reading from the King James Version, uh, sorry, the New King James and it's John three fourteen to 21. Okay, let's uh, read John 3, verse 14 to 21. It says, And that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Yeah, thanks, Jason. That's uh, an extended version of the verse that so many people know so well, John 3.16. Yeah. And as we uh, heard through, as you were reading through that, there there is many times God repeats this, Jesus repeats this, that uh, we just need to believe. We're going to dig into that a little bit uh, deeper as we go through. But to open the illustration, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, the state of the world that we're living in today. Mm. This time last year, 
the COVID-19 cases reported globally, so a little bit earlier than this time last year, just in, in late October, there were over 42 million cases and 1.1 million deaths reported globally from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Today, there are over 250 million cases and over 5 million deaths. So more than five times what we had this time last year. Wow. And, and that's, that's incredible when you think about the scale of this pandemic. Uh, some people have ignored that. Well, you know, this, this is worse than just a flu. Mm. But nevertheless, it's, it's giving us a picture of a very bleak outlook for mankind, if you like. And do we as Christians, or does anybody for that matter, have good news to share at this time? I, I would like to share some good news from a, a verse in Psalms, chapter 46. In Psalms 46, uh, it says in verse 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We see so much fear in the world today. Even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Now, there's a lot of things happening. It sounds like a very, very big earthquake uh, when, when we, we hear that, when we read that. But in verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Mm. So there is peace. There is peace that we can offer. And when I look at the original Hebrew of verse 1 and 2, I'd say, yes, yes, we, we really do have hope that we can offer the world today. The Hebrew literally from, from that verse about God being our refuge is God is a refuge and strength. He is found to be an abundant assistance in times of distress. And I think that's really hopeful. I think it gives us hope when, you know, often we might not have it. But we'll talk more about that uh, after the break. We will indeed. Now, I'm going to ask a question of our listeners today, and uh, we hope that uh, while the song's playing, you can have a think about this and perhaps text us in. Have you ever needed urgent help from someone, and they were right there when you needed them? Have you ever needed urgent help from someone and they were right there when you needed them? We'd encourage you to text in, share your experience. on uh, Text us on 0488 880891. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, while the songs are playing, it's a great time to have a think about that and uh, perhaps give us a text. So right now we're going to have a listen to Big Enough by the Clark family. I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness There are mountains ahead that I can't move by myself But I know when I'm weak, He's strong When I can barely breathe, there's still a song Even though it's hard right now, I'm not here on my own So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough 
I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough I'll finish everything you start We'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big Days when the shadows of doubt make me feel small I declare that I don't stand in my strength at all Cause I won't live a day you didn't plan Every single moment is in your hands Even if the whole world shakes you're the rock on which I stand So when it seems can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything he starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Clark family with Big Enough. And you're listening to Tassie Encounters. Today we're talking with David Maxwell. He's presenting a topic, a very present help. And just before we went to the break, we did ask you a question. That question was, have you ever needed urgent help from someone? And they were right there when you needed them. So uh, we'd love for you to share your experiences with us. Uh, text us in on zero four eight 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 zero eight nine one, and just while we're there, uh, our book offer today. There's a book that we're going to be giving away. It's called The God We Worship, and uh, we'll tell you a bit more about that uh, later in the program. So, David, um, we were talking about 
let me just think. I've got to get my brain back into gear here. <laughs> we were talking about... Um, uh, no, you're going to have to help me. The good news. We were talking about the good news. That's we it, the good news. Yeah. <laughs> the I good... wanted to elaborate on that a little bit this time. Yes, yeah. So uh, let's get back into the program and uh, well, let's hear this good news. Yeah, look, we really do have good news. Uh, and as I was saying before the break, it's good news because we have so much bad news around us. We have so many issues facing us. But this started a long time before COVID, you know, the issues that we face. Uh, right back at the beginning of mankind's history, Adam and Eve, even Adam and Eve were distressed. Not obviously immediately. Uh, everything was perfect when God made it originally. But they had they had just done the unthinkable so we don't know how long it was into it that they did this but they they just done the unthinkable they destroyed the perfection of eden they had disobeyed god and they doomed the whole of humanity if you like but god has had it planned all the way back then and for them it certainly was good news because it was coming to their assistance i want to read just briefly uh, in genesis what happens here just to remind our listeners in case some of them might not be familiar with it it's in uh, genesis 3 and i'm going to read uh, from verse uh, 12 and i'm going to read down to 15 and then one other verse so then the man said the woman whom you gave to be with me she gave me of the tree and I ate. Straight away, he's blaming somebody else, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> and the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I hate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all cattle and, be and more than every beast of the field on your belly you'll go. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, still talking to the serpent. And between your seed and her seed, he shall, this is the, the, the woman's seed, will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And so there's this promise that's brought in. And then down in verse 21, uh, it says, for also Adam, uh, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So firstly, God asks questions. It's interesting that he doesn't come in accusing. God knows everything. He knows what they've done, but he doesn't come in accusing. He comes in and asks questions. What have you done? What have you done? And, mm -hmm. it, and it brings conviction to this, uh, to this couple that have done the wrong thing. They know they've separated from God. They must feel separated from God. They're hiding in the bushes. But when God asks, what have you done? Immediately, they look for a scapegoat. They look for someone to blame. Don't we see that today, Jason? Absolutely. That uh, no one wants to take the uh, responsibility. <laughs> no one takes responsibility. Mm. Uh, it's not just the generation that's growing up today. I mean, we see that a lot. They go, it's our parents' fault that the world's in the mess that it is. But they're not willing to, you know, give up their phones mm. and, and stop contributing to the, the carbon mess. They're not... Um, worrying about landfill from all of this technology uh, so it, it's each generation is responsible mm. nevertheless god tells adam very very clearly don't eat the fruit of the tree instead of just accepting responsibility and saying uh, you said don't eat uh, she gave it to me i ate it um, and it was my fault he, he seeks to blame someone else first the woman and then God, actually, he's blaming God. He's blaming God for giving him the woman. If you didn't give me the woman, I wouldn't have been tempted by her. So he's 
pushing the blame back on God. I, I just think that's incredible. Um, you know, he, he's saying that God put him in the predicament, and he, if God didn't do that, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have uh, listened to her. Mm. Although Eve was deceived, she still chose. You know, she still had the choice who she was going to listen to. God had told her first, "Don't eat." She listened to this this pleasant voice, if you like. Um, she listened to the benefits that she was going to be able to gain. And instead of just listening to what God told them through Adam, Adam told her, she chooses, no, I think, I think I'll, I'll, I'll try this. Then she looks for a scapegoat and she finds this in the, the serpent. Now, it's really interesting that the serpent or Satan in Revelation chapter 12, it makes it very clear that this serpent is Satan in disguise. And he he is actually the scapegoat, and he's acting out of his defiled nature. He's ultimately responsible for all the sin in the world because it started with him. We looked at that in a previous program. And that's, I believe, and I would suggest, that's the reason why in the actual Day of Atonement, at the end of time, he actually takes that position as the scapegoat. So the pair are in distress and perhaps they're concerned about their death being imminent because God said, don't eat it or you'll die. Now perhaps they're concerned, uh, now the punishment's going to come. But God didn't leave them in, in distress. You know, out of mercy, firstly, God limits Satan's control. And as we read, he puts enmity or he puts um, hostility, if you like, between humanity and Satan. Uh, in this hostility, in this um, dislike for sin, if you like, we have this natural tendency to want the best. Uh, many people have a distaste for wrong. You see somebody being wronged and you think that's not right. And we want justice, don't we? Mm. We want truth to prosper. That's, that's what people want. Mm. Uh, ultimately, I believe anyway, um, out of grace, God then gives him a promise. He promises that one day one of the woman's descendants is going to put an end to the serpent. And I think that's important. You know, this this promise that God gives right back then, he says, it's not going to go on. This this conflict between the two of you is not going on forever. He's not going to have the upper hand. And I'm going to have one of your descendants this is a beautiful promise here. This is a promise of Jesus who is coming, the Messiah, the one that's going to save them. I'm going to give you one descendant down in time that's going to crush or bruise his head. And when I read the Hebrew of this, uh, when he says he's going to bruise his head, it, it, the word bruise there means to bruise, fall upon and crush. Now, if you have something let's say a stone a stone does this very well if you have a stone or a piece of concrete crush your head or bruise your head um it's pretty fatal mm. <laughs> not too many people survive from a, a crush industry, uh, accident like that so if if something is going to crush satan's head it's going to destroy him and we see that reference in revelation 20 and verse 9 where satan is finally destroyed but out of love, God takes care and he looks after them as well. He limits the effect of sin only to their physical existence. Uh, he puts a bond between the man and the woman, and that's really, really important. 
um, so that the man can then look after her. If we read this into depth, we can see that God actually puts this desire in the woman for the husband, for the man, and he is not to lord it over her, but he is to protect her. That's the reason he does it. Now, when we read these verses about Adam and Eve in the garden, many people have said, well, why, why didn't Adam stop her when she was going to eat? because it says he was with her in the garden. When we read Satan's attacks, we can see in the Hebrew that Satan attacks her singularly. And he says, you, and he he uses the singular you talking to Eve. But then he says um, that uh, you will not die. He says in this sentence, he says, you singular, if you singular eat, you plural will not die. And it's, it's a true statement. God won't kill them both if only one of them eats. Mm. And, and then he goes in and he tempts them both. So it's very, very interesting, uh, the wording in there. So Eve eats and she's by herself. But he is with her in the garden, just not with her at the tree. And then when he brings, she brings the fruit to him and he eats, they eat together and they're punished together. So he puts this bond between them, her longing for him and so that they'll be together and his protection over her. And then God provides coverings for Adam and Eve from the animal skins. And the final thing he does, he protects them from, himself, from themselves. Now, when our daughter was young, <clears throat> when our daughter was young, uh, as she was growing up and she was starting to walk, we protected her from herself. We walked around the house, we checked all the cupboards, we put locks on the cupboards, we moved the dangerous things out of the lower cupboards to the higher cupboards because we knew she was just going to be curious and looking around the kitchen. And that's what you do as parents. And so God child-proofs the garden. He knows they've sinned. He knows their disobedience is now going to be a natural tendency. And so he knew that in time they would regret this decision and regret their life was coming to an end. They might reach out and grab the tree of life and then this sin would go on perpetually. And so he child-proofs the garden. He sends them out of it. But more about that after the break. Wow. That um, takes us back to the beginnings and uh, I think the... The message here is that, I mean, God created us originally, a great Adam and Eve, to be with him, to live Ooh. with him in the garden. And uh, I guess he wants us to be with him as well. I think that's really the whole story of the Bible from beginning to end, isn't it? That God wants yeah. to reconcile with us and for us to live with him, but uh, not in a state of um, the we are currently. <laughs> he wants to yeah. make it better. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We'll take a deeper look into that after the break. I guess that's all, all part of the uh, the good news that we're talking about. Mm. So here is uh, Take My Life by Jaden Levick. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my and my days let them flow and cease this praise take my hand and let them move at the impulse of thy love take my 
Take my silver and my gold Not a my would I withhold Take my intellect and use Every power thou shalt choose And I give program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM. And uh, earlier in the program, we asked a question of our listeners. Have you ever needed urgent help from someone? And they were there, right there when you needed them. And uh, we've had uh, a message come in from Freco. He says, many times I've needed help in many ways, and always someone is there to help me. It's the power of prayer I run to Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Freco, for that message. We uh, we love to hear from our listeners. If you've got uh, something to share, text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Now, David, before the break, you were telling us how God, in His wisdom, uh, prevented Adam and Eve from taking from the tree of life and then living forever in a state of sin. Can you uh, tell us what's really the good news about that? Yeah, that's that's good. Thanks, Jason. So before the break, I was describing how God knew that in time they'd regret their life was coming to an end. They might reach out and grab the tree of life and eat from that and continue living in sin forever. So in his great uh, love for them, he childproofs the garden. So what's what's so good about the good news that he kicks them out of uh, this beautiful garden? Mm. Well, firstly, God sees the end from the beginning, and he knew that when Adam and Eve witnessed all the trouble that was coming from their rebellious decisions, uh, you know, what? Watching other people follow those rebellious decisions, they would be living a life of guilt and regret because remember they've seen the perfect creation that God made. And and to watch that start to 
die, start to fail, start to see the effects of disobedience, separation from God and sin. Uh, he didn't want them to go on living in that guilt and regret forever. So he prevents them from taking the tree of life and banishes from the garden. But as we read before, the promise that the deceiver would be defeated and removed wasn't the only good news he had in store for them. He also has this promise of restoration. And when Jesus comes 4,000 years later, uh, revealing again the nature of this promise to an important religious leader, Jesus actually shares this good news. So I want to come back to what you read earlier, the, uh, the reading in John. He is talking to this Pharisee, uh, well, how could I say, I don't want to say Pharisaical leader, because he, he really wasn't quite the same as some of the other Pharisees. He had this longing, he had this, uh, he'd been listening to Jesus, and he wanted to know more from, from what this Jesus had to say to him. So this so, is, this is uh, Nicodemus, is it? Nicodemus. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. So uh, in, in John chapter 3, Jesus actually gives him the message. Now, we often remember uh, John 3.16 as the gospel in a nutshell, but we forget that Jesus was the one who first shared this word. He shares it with Nicodemus. And he used this intro that we often overlook. We jump, jump straight to John 3.16. John 3.14, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And then he repeats this three times. Believe, you won't perish. You'll have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. Um, and he came so that you can believe, not perish, and have everlasting life. God doesn't send his Son into the world to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. Over the centuries that follow from Adam and Eve, it's apparent that the message of God's goodness becomes distorted. Um, and the, the very nation, if you like, that was supposed to be st displaying God's goodness to the world becomes legalistic and exclusive. So that's what the Jewish nation becomes. They, they actually think that they're the only ones that will be saved and they forget that it's their job to draw people to God and actually give them this good news. So when Jesus comes, he addresses those issues through this genuine inquiring Pharisee Nicodemus. So firstly, Jesus shows how complete this sacrifice or substitute would be. He makes this connection between the event that we've mentioned in, the, in previous episodes with the vipers, the snakes, the poison snakes biting people, just as they're about to enter the promised land, and his own sacrifice. He says, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, just like Moses put that snake on a pole and lifted it up and walked through the camp, and those who wanted to be saved just looked and they were saved. He draws that parallel between his own sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, God also makes it quite clear how complete this sacrifice is in verse 21 he says for he that's god made him that's christ who knew no sin to be sin for us not just to take sin for us which he did but to be sin for us mm. and when i read those verses it, what it says to me is that jesus takes when we come to him we ask him to take our sin he takes it on you know, he takes it on as if it was his sin. And that makes me think differently about sin, Jason. I think, you know, when I sin and I know I'm going to come, I sin willingly and I come 
and I ask forgiveness, do I want to be giving Jesus my sin and letting him take it as if he's the one that did those things? makes me think a little bit differently about sin. I want to be a bit more careful about what I do because of the effect it's having on Jesus. And that's why when Moses lifts up the serpent, he lifts up a serpent. He doesn't lift up a little bronze man. He lifts up a serpent because Jesus associates with sin. He becomes that symbol of sin. And that's why God has to turn his face away. It's incredible. You know, it is really incredible the depth that Jesus goes to. So within this story, we also have Jesus um, wanting to show that his solution was easy to obtain because the Israelites had actually made it really hard. They had hundreds and hundreds of laws to the laws that God had given, but Jesus makes it easy. When Moses walked through the camp, all they had to do was look. That's that's a really powerful thing, isn't it, that uh, Mm. he makes it so easy. Just look at the snake and they were saved. And really, it's easy for us too to believe that's that's the the point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, they didn't have to go and help Moses make the snake. And and this would have taken time. He didn't just pop down to Bunnings and get a snake, (laughs) a bronze snake. He he had to, you know, heat up the metal. He had to uh, make the bronze snake. And put it on the pole. It would have taken time, and the, and, and, and the people would have been desperate, absolutely desperate. And so they were told they just had to look. So Jesus shows Nicodemus that all whoever believes shouldn't perish but have an everlasting life. But to want to look, they had to believe that in doing so they'd be healed. It was no good just looking at the snakes, looking mm. down at the snakes, going, the snakes are going to kill me. They had to believe that, ignore the snakes, but they just had to look at the, the one on the pole and that simple look would save them. So too the good news that Jesus offers about his sacrifice frees us from the condemnation of the law. Because in that verse we read in, 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 um, in John 3, it says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word in the Greek condemn means to judge, decide as guilty or Separate Now, Jesus didn't come to, to judge us as guilty. We're already guilty. It says mm. that in Romans 3.23. Everyone sinned. We're already separate um, from Adam. They separate themselves from God. And Paul reinforces this in Romans 8.1 where he says, um, there is now no condemnation or separation from those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because if we accept Jesus, we're no longer separate from God. We're connected. We live with him. And as long as we remain connected with him, then we remain uncondemned. Uh, you probably heard the uh, illustration of a log in the fire. Uh, you've obviously been to a bonfire before, Jason. Yeah. And sometimes there's a log that falls out of the fire. It doesn't take long for that to cool down and stop burning, provided it doesn't fall in the grass, of course. And uh, if you if you want that log to be effective, you've got to put it in the fire. You've got to keep it in the fire. But if you let it go out... Uh, of the fire, it'll eventually go out. You've just got to stay connected to the fire to be of any use. Mm. You know, and, and I think the same is true spiritually. We've got to we've got to remain connected to Jesus. If we don't remain connected to Jesus, we can't remain effective in our Christian walk. Yeah, that's um, it. That's the uh, that's the key, isn't it? 
Yeah, you know, Jesus even talks about you know the the branches and the vine, and he says he he's the he's the vine, we're the branches, and if you cut off the branch, well, everyone knows you you know when they trim off the the branches from the the vines before they start to grow again, all those branches that are cut off they die and they and they get burned, and Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Mm. Well, we're going to go to another break, but before we do, uh, we're going to just give a bit more information about this book offer. And uh, it's, I think it's, it's really important that we start to understand who Jesus was, what he did for us. And uh, this book is titled The God We Worship. It's a deep biblical analysis on the theme of the deity presented in concise and simple language, allowing the Bible to be its own interpreter. The author reaffirms a pillar of the Christian faith which lies at the very foundation of proper understanding of the whole body of doctrines and therefore the God we worship. If you want uh, one of the finest biblical explanations of the triune God, that's the Trinity, you will be pleased to have this in your hands. So we would uh, encourage you to text in for this book. The number is 0488 And right after this next song, we're going to give you the code for that. You know, we've been talking about being connected with Christ and this uh, song that we're going to play now is called In Christ Alone mm. by Keith and Christian Getty and also Alison Krauss. So mm. beautiful song, uh, yeah. powerful words, and it's very relevant to our topic today. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My all and all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones He came to save Till on the cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live Light of the world by darkness slain 
Then bursting forth in glorious death Out from the grave he rose again And as he stands in victory Since curse has lost its grip on me For I am his and he is mine Bought with the precious blood of Christ in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, and no power of hell, no scheme of man, can ever blind me from his hand, till he me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand and that was Keith and Kristen Getty and Alison Krauss with In Christ Alone, a beautiful song that's very relevant to our topic today so you're listening to Tazzy Encounters and this is our last segment but before the break we talked about our free book offer today The God We Worship the code for that is KING and the number 10. We would love you to text in 0488 880 The code KING and the number 10, no spaces. Text us in and we will get this book out to you as soon as we can. It does take a few weeks, so if you don't get it straight away, be patient. It should be on its way. So, David, before the break, you were speaking about remaining connected. That song really uh, talked about that as well, that we need to stay in Christ alone. How do we do that? And are you able to expand on this a little bit better before or a little bit more before we finish today? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. So uh, I, I guess, you know, many people just say, just tell me how to do it. I just want to know how to do it. You know, make it easy. And, and really, it is easy. As we were discussing before the break, uh, just like the log has to remain in the fire to stay hot, be of use, or the branch connected to the vine to be productive. So we've got to remain connected with, with God. But how to do this, that's the question most people ask. So as we read in, in John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is lifted up, uh, just like that serpent in the wilderness, and then he goes on and says that whoever the reason he's lifted up is so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why God came and Jesus came into the world so that we don't have to perish. We can just believe and he doesn't come to condemn, but he comes to save. So perhaps perhaps some people have made this just a lot harder than it needs to be. And I certainly know the legalistic Jewish leaders in Jesus' day had. But Jesus makes it really, really simple. He says, believe. And this belief doesn't just recognize that Jesus is the answer. It's a belief that leads to some kind of action. 
You know, we have to take some action. And that first step is to acknowledge that we're sinful. Now, John understands this. You know, he's one of Jesus' closest disciples. Uh, and, he, and in John, he says, if we say we have no sin, this is First John 1, 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And then in verse 10, if we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar. This is the two attitudes people sometimes have. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sinful. I don't do things wrong. I'm a good person. Mm. And the other one is, no, no, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. Never have. Um, it says we make God a liar. In the middle of those, in the middle of those, um, God is saying that we have to be honest and we have to simply admit we're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. God's law and Jesus' exposition of it actually shows we're all living separate from his holy expectations. So that's the first step is to actually acknowledge that we are bad. The Bible says we are. The second step is to believe Believe that Jesus is the answer to our dilemma. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes it clear that we're not saved by our effort, but rather only through the grace of God. Like those who looked at the snake on the pole, they didn't have to have any effort except turn their head and look. That's what God said. We believe that Jesus is going to save us, and then we look. We look to him. And that's the belief, the belief that takes action. The next is just confess and repent. These are simple ABCDs, that's what I'm sharing with you, the confess and repent. So the simple next step is confess our sins. It says that in between those two verses I just read, saying that we don't sin, no, that's wrong. Saying we've never sinned, that's wrong too. But in the middle of it, if we confess, if we confess. I used to do programming uh, a little bit, uh, Jason. And we had these if-then-else statements. You'll remember that. Yes, and, I, uh, I've done that myself as well. <laughs> yeah. If this has happened, then this will happen. And that's what Jesus says here. He says, if we confess our sins, we acknowledge. We have to acknowledge that we're sinners. We have to believe he can do something about it. And then we confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the bit where he takes our sin on himself. He gives us his righteousness. So we become clean. That's fascinating. That is a real solution to our problems today. It's a wonderful promise that we only need to confess up, <laughs> as we say today. Fess up, yeah. you know. Yeah. Did you do it? Yes. And he is faithful to forgive and clean us up. And then the D is deciding. We've got to choose a different path for our lives. This is true repentance, turning around, going in a different direction. You know, in John fourteen fifteen, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, remember that keeping God's commandments doesn't get us saved. You know, it's not, it's not the other way around. We love him first. We ask for the forgiveness, and then we follow because we love him. We don't follow and try and make ourselves love him, if you, if you get what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, it's part of the connectedness. Now, now, this is actually really, really simple. It's simple to be saved. It's hard to be lost. And it's a title of uh, Morris, uh, a, a really famous writer, famous author and speaker, Morris Vanden. He writes this in his book, It's Hard to Be Lost. I really want to read this quote. The reason why it's harder to be lost than to be saved is that if you're going to be lost someday, you'll have to fight God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, a two-thirds majority of the angels, and all your Christian friends and loved ones that are praying for you. You've got to fight against all of that, he's saying, if you want to be lost. Uh, 
If you're going to be saved one day, you only have to fight the devil and one-third of the majority of the angels, minority of the angels, sorry, who cried out in mercy in the presence of Jesus when he was here. And Jesus promised to fight the devil and his angels for you. So who are you really fighting against? You're only fighting against yourself. Yeah. You know, like all of the Israelites who were on the verge of the promised land and had to take action, they had to look and live, so too we have got to look and live. We're on the verge of the real promised land. We need that A, B, C, D. Acknowledge, believe, confess, and then make a decision. And there might be people here today listening who haven't yet made that decision. Psalms 41, 46.1 says, God is a refuge and strength. He is found to be an abundant assistance in time of distress. And if you've wandered away from God, why not reconnect now? Why not turn, look, and live? Take a hold of Jesus, our abundant assistance in time of distress. That's what I want to share today. Thank you, David. That's uh, a very important message, and uh, it's it's fantastic when we hear that it's actually really an easy thing to do, um, to to respond to that call that Jesus is, is actually uh, seeking us. He's, he's seeking us out, and... Uh, We've just got to believe. So, David, uh, I'll just remind our listeners of the code. It's uh, King number 10. They can text that in on 0488-880-891. Next week, very quickly, what have you got for us next week? Yes, next week we're going to continue with The Coming King. We're going to look at what it means to live a life reconnected with God in our program entitled Reconciliation. Don't miss that one. It's really good. Okay, so join us next Friday with David with Reconciliation. And, of course, Monday we've got David Leo back continuing his series uh, titled Encounters with Jesus. So we hope we can uh, have you join us on Monday and, of course, next Friday as well. This is uh, our last song, All You'll Ever Need, by Andrew Peterson. We pray that you have a great day wherever you are. Blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. He can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all Good. you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. Elijah's fire falling on the altar.
is oil. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you'll ever.